And we're back again with another episode of Cut Talk Podcast, Cut Talk Radio, call it what you want, just don't forget to cut talk. Uh, back to you again, presented by In The Cut Global, we out here. Uh, we just want to say real quick, as always, thank you to everybody who's been supporting the podcast so far and supporting the channel with subscribing, liking, and commenting. Uh, please continue to do so. Tell a friend to tell a friend, and yeah, we'll just keep growing from there and giving you guys the content that... Uh, that is as entertaining and uh, as productive as possible. So, yeah, and we're also on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify now, so check us out on there. But, yeah, I got um, I got Cousin with me today. Cousin, say what's up to the people. Yo, what's up? I'm back again. Back again. It's been a minute since we had Cousin back on or, or Ivana, but we're going to, uh, you know, they've both been busy, so I've been uh, finding other guests, but the squad's back and back together. So let's get it. Uh, today we're gonna cover a few things that've been in the news recently. Some things that are local, some things that are uh, nationwide, and s- yeah, pretty much that's it. I don't think we're gonna leave the country, but yeah, we're just gonna stay in between the country. But we're gonna start with um. So recently, in uh, the news, uh, they've there's been a law passed right here, and I'm just gonna read this. It says uh. California legislature recently passed a bill prohibiting employers from penalizing workers for using marijuana during their off work hours. Recreational use of marijuana has been legal in California since 2016. While off-duty use would be legally protected, the new bill does not allow employers to fire or suspend workers for possessing, using, or being impaired with marijuana or buy marijuana while at work. Law takes effect in January 2024. So before you start getting high at work, January 2024. Two more years or uh, about a year and a half till it uh, really takes place. Um, I don't know. I don't know about this one. Uh, shit, I've been high at work before, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if, if that's gonna make things better or worse. What do you think, cousin? Uh, uh, just just based off of hearing those first few sentences, what do you think uh, well, is gonna be going on? There's here? some where. You know, like, it depends on a job. It doesn't matter if you're high or not. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, preferably, if you do the work sober, some people are more effective than, you know, if you're faded and stuff. Yeah. I, mean, I know how I would get if I got high. That's why I haven't got high in a long time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, yeah. I don't feel at all when, you know, when I get high. So, uh-huh. fuck that. Do it. So, you know, I'm coming from that perspective. And let's say I'm an employer. And, you know, yeah. Knowing the it affects me, I'm gonna like, oh, if you're if you're high in the job, you know, like mm. just just because I feel this way when I'm high, I'm probably gonna assume you're gonna be a little less effective too, just because that's how I experience it. So I think it depends on the employer. If I was an employer, I mean, I wouldn't want to fuck with <laughs> my employees if they're high. I mean, it depends what they're doing. If it's like a repetitive task, and fucking, I mean, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, it depends for sure. On- it depends on the job, you know, like, I don't know. I don't think, I mean, weed has been legal in California. I think for the most part, I mean, there's medical marijuana. I think, it, I mean, rec- recreational weed is already legal, right? Yeah, so, yeah, it's all legal already. I mean, people like, are getting high for sure in California, especially in California. Everybody's fucking high, you know. People can um, drink. You get drug tested. Um, I mean, I think when you get drug tested for a job, I think alcohol still shows up. Right. Yeah, if you but, if it's too if, soon and stuff, yeah. 
you won't really get penalized. They'll probably just look at you weird, like, oh, this fool fucking drank the day before. Um, so probably the same shit when you're going in for a new job, you get drug tested, they see a little weed. I think that shit stays way longer than alcohol, though. Isn't it like one month? Right. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, Let me just look this up real quick But I'm pretty sure I mean, it's crazy though Because we, weed is weird when it comes to Even when it comes to testing um, Because, I mean, I, honestly I, I could say from my own experience That there's been times though There was one time in specific Where uh, where I kind of Where I got high the night before A drug test And then they, they sell these things Where you, uh, you like drink You drink, uh, it's called a detox You drink uh, you drink it and then you fill it back up with water and then you drink it again and it's supposed to clear out your system to like dilute the THC in your in your urine or whatever and in your blood and then sometimes it's called water pills it comes with pills but I mean uh, from what it says here it says uh, drug tests can detect THC in urine blood hair for many days after use while saliva tests can only detect it a few hours so I, I mean I'm pretty sure it depends on like the person's genetics too you know but I, I it does like raise a question, right? Like how effective, uh, or how do you determine who's allowed and who's not allowed? I mean, of course you don't want somebody like, um, a, a crane operator to be fucking faded out their mind. Cause then you're going to see buildings falling over in downtown and shit. You know what I mean? Like, or imagine, or imagine a cop, right? Like a cop. What, what would you do if you got pulled over by a cop and the cops like, yeah, man, what's up? Uh, let me get your license and uh, registration uh, or whatever, you know? And then it's like, you know, that would, like, cause, uh, uh, like, a even more of a distrust between cops, you know? So, I mean, it really depends on the job, I guess, in that context, you know? Um, But, like, like you were saying, if a person is, is effective, then I guess uh, you really don't want to, like, step in on it you know it's just finding that that balance like you know in oregon too just to like bring another situation into it you know about the situation in oregon did you hear about that um is that where they legalized crack or some shit or right yeah they legalized everything like they basically said you know we're gonna go the complete opposite like instead of being strict on everything we're gonna be like completely lenient on everything and then what happened was what happened is that case where they had um you know, when the Black Lives Matter protest, there was uh-huh. a city there where it was a straight up fucking um, shit. Was it like, a, like two blocks? They just isolated themselves and shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And then they were like their own little like town, like, basically, right? Yeah, it was like fucking a purge over there. Crazy. But I don't know, is that Oregon? Probably, maybe Oregon and Washington. It's one of those. Um, but yeah, that shit's crazy. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it, it, I mean, that's like the biggest point, right? Like how effective are you is really what matters. But at the same time, a certain, because like if you think about it, right, people, like people, you could trust them for so long, but then you get on too much trust. And of course, um, you know, of course people are going to fucking go crazy, right? Like they're just going to get power hungry and stuff. And then, like you said, the purge effect, where it's like, you know, if you don't have nobody there to stop you, what's to stop a crazy motherfucker from killing somebody or raping somebody or just fucking, like, you know, just doing some wild shit? Or or th- that would kind of, like, attract the crazy motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? Like, it would attract crazy people to to go and, and, you know, be the ones that are, like, 
oh, this is my type of place right here. Like, yeah, I could do whatever I want. And then it's like the question is how, you know, how dangerous is that? So it's like, I don't know. I guess, I guess it, um, you know, the law in California isn't that bad, though, because if you think about it, like, the, like in Oregon, what happened was when they legalized it, it also made everything more accessible, you know? So, so it's like, not only is it legal, but now you're making it easier for people to get like drugs and, uh, I mean, crack and meth and shrooms and shit like that, which is like, yeah, that that's a whole nother problem. But, uh, you know, we like, talk, yeah, uh-huh. It's not fun. Like people that are, they're addicted to the hardest drugs. They're yeah. gonna get high. They're gonna get high regardless. So yeah, like, that's true. It's just happening. Uh, remember when um Joe Biden, I think funded uh. Oh, giving out the crack pipes. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, like people look at it as like, oh, this motherfucker is promoting drug use. But, yeah. You know they're gonna use drugs regardless. Mm. So you hope them, you know, at least do it in a form that's cleaner. You know, right yeah, now, it's expensive, then it might be worth to just give them clean pipes and stuff like that. Because they're going to get high regardless unless you put them into, um, you know, addiction treatment, which costs even more money. But, you uh-huh. know, people go to treatment and they still fail. They still relapse. So, their shit's going to be crazy anyways. Um, yeah, that's true. And and you brought up a, a really good point about trying to keep things clean. You know, like, uh, you know, I guess people like don't really consider it because they're not, you know, they're not drug addicts themselves. So they don't think about what it what like the process is of somebody getting high. But yeah, there's a lot of like possible complications from like using dirty needles or or getting dirty drugs and things like that. So I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess it's <laughs> if you like, you could say it's a humanitarian move, you know. In a way, which is kind of crazy, but uh, again, in in Oregon, one of the reasons that they gave for why they were uh, decriminalizing everything was because it was costing them so much money to uh, facilitate the arrests that were going on. Like they were spending, um, I think, almost four hundred million a year uh, in arresting, prosecuting, and then imp- and just imprisoning just drug offenders. So they were like, well, if we just let people get high, then uh, it'll save us four hundred million a year. Which uh, is a definitely an economic decision, but what do you think about that? Is that a, a rational decision in in your opinion? To be like, oh, well, if we just don't fucking charge them, then we don't have to pay four hundred million a year. I don't know. What do you mean? If you don't charge what? Huh? You said if we don't charge them for what? Uh, I'm saying if the if like the the uh cops and stuff the justice system they, if they don't par- prosecute people for drug offenses then they're not no. wasting resources you know the, and no. and it says in 2016 the amount of money spent on resources to imprison drug related crimes was 400 million so like that was one of the examples that they gave for why it would be a, a financial decision to like legalize it to be like oh well if we don't have to prosecute all these people then we can save 400 million in resources yeah, I mean, there's uh, so many people that are locked up for, you know, drug-related crimes. Um, I mean, some of them are non-violent, right? So the people that are non-violent, it should fucking cost a lot of money to put them in there. So there can be other programs that they can be using instead. Um, I mean, I don't really know, but if you put them in, like, a drug yeah. rehab program, I mean, that costs money. It probably is cheaper. Um, you know, I mean, nowadays everybody has health insurance, so it should be fucking free if they're 
you know, especially they're struggling, probably not working and they're that addicted, but mm-hmm. at least they have so you know for the most part probably won't cost them that much but the thing about these drug programs for like the the treatment centers you know they're after the fucking good insurance company so medical medicaid stuff like that might not be you know might not be it might not have that many options oh i see what you're saying yeah it's not accessible to somebody who's like on welfare for example yeah but i don't know i think no, I think I just gotta promote just stay off the fucking drugs because yeah, don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> I mean, here and there is whatever, but like once you start getting into it, especially the hard ones, I mean, it's easy to get hooked up on it. And trust me, I've seen a lot of people go down the spiral. I mean, I've worked with a lot of people that went through addiction because I worked in addiction treatment center, and that shit gets real ugly. So. Just better not risk it. You know, you're going to a fucking rave, going to a concert. You know, you're there, fuck it. But if you're doing what your homies and your homies are doing that shit every weekend, every fucking week, every day, then just think of the money you will save by not doing drugs. Think about that. Yeah, and <laughs> it's time to find new friends at that point. That's, that's the crazy thing. Um, But yeah, and then, you know, you mentioned how, you know, there's a lot of nonviolent offenders. And then, and then I, I, I read somewhere that that I think um there was some statistic I can't even remember you guys could look this up but uh it was something like one in five or hold on I think there's one right here it says uh at least one in four people who go to jail will be arrested again within the same year often those dealing with poverty mental illness substance use disorders whose problems only worsen with incarceration so I mean, in that example, you can see right there why sending somebody to uh, jail or prison over and over again for drug offenses would be ineffective because then it's like you're just washing them through the system, spending money, and then um, there's really nothing, there's no reform going on, you know, which is the point of prison. It's just really just the person gets accustomed to going and being incarcerated. So, I mean, that uh, it's, it's an interesting problem, you know, and it, it brings up a lot more issues. Uh, and then, you know, just legalizing and then having, you know, just to go back to, uh, the article that we we're talking about when you legalize, what happened? Uh, well, it's kind of like probably the same topic, but like when the, when California legalized weed, mm-hmm. you start seeing all these dispensaries pop up. Right. But the dispensaries, they only popped up in the hood. They weren't anywhere else. So like. You see a whole, like there's a couple blocks with a whole bunch of dispensaries and stuff. And mm-hmm. You can tell most of them were illegal anyway, though. But yeah, yeah they, a lot of them were. They disguise themselves as, unless the feds come in and start checking for your fucking permits and stuff. A lot of them just operated just to operate without, you know. But they just like, oh, they always shut down every three months. And, oh, fuck it. There's two, every time one shut down, there's two more opens up. But, I mean, the cities that are well off, they don't allow that shit. So, like, you know, yeah. in some cities, you see dispensaries. But in the hood, you'll see it. Like, in L.A., there's a lot. But, like, in other cities, you won't see. Yeah, so, or if you do see a dispensary in somewhere, like, because there's a couple in Hollywood, but they're fucking, they tax you up the ass. So, so it's like that's that's just the government playing the role right there. And that was the thing, too, how you bring up the, the legalization. So, for anybody who was in California for a while, you know, we saw how that happened, which is, like, at first... um 
it was like you know it's uh it's illegal for recreation but it's legal for medical so if you wanted to go and pick up some weed from a dispensary all you needed was a medical card uh, which was like 30 40 bucks so if you spend 30 40 bucks you get a fake uh prescription from a doctor certificate whatever you can buy your weed and you don't have to pay taxes for it but then the the government you know as like you were saying there was a, so then during that time a bunch of shops in the hood opened up there was a lot of um a lot of dispensaries everybody was opening a dispensary and then um after a while once they started to implement the tax laws and then they started to uh legalize it for recreational use then it became uh, it fell under the jurisdiction of the state and then that was when now uh they pretty much did sweeps across the city where they were just raiding all those uh, shops that didn't have their their sellers permit or their license to be open or whatever the case and then yeah those people were allowed to just operate by the cops until they weren't so they got fucked over in the, in the end and it was just crazy to see and um that's that's why whenever like stuff like this happens like legalization i guess they're not really legalizing it so much as they're just allowing people to get high outside of work but i think that comes from um i think that comes from it really comes from that whole people aren't working that much no more you know like you know how they were they've been talking about how people don't really take jobs as much and jobs are like people aren't applying for jobs and i think they feel like if they just say, okay, you can get high and we'll still let you come and work with us, then they probably think that that'll encourage people to apply for jobs. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like that might be some, some way to fix it in somebody's eyes. But, I, I mean, I don't think that's effective, though. Like, if, if somebody's getting high all day, they don't they don't want to work to begin with, so it's, it's not really going to, you know, they're pretty fucking, they're going to be lazy. They're not going to want to go to work. It's not like... In their mind, that they're not gonna make that. Con- I mean, maybe some people, but they're they're probably not gonna make that connection. Like, oh, uh, I could get high and still go to work. You know, it's just like I don't know. People who are getting high are, are probably not in the mood to work, anyways. So, I don't know. Like it's interesting. That are home watching TV, and then that commercial pops up, fucking. Are you doing? Sit in the couch, fucking high all day. Yeah, come get high at work. <laughs> So, I mean, I think it's, it probably, like, the people that, I, I don't know, that are maybe less motivated because they're just fucking high all day. Uh-huh. Maybe that's an incentive, but, I mean, but I don't think if they're, if they're unmotivated to work, I don't think it's going to change it that much. So, I don't see it that being yeah. a big, yeah. but I just, it, it gives people in the corporate world less stress because, uh-huh. you know, fucking corporate America. You fucking take a drug test, you lose your job. Right. But like, it's being tested, and then now that they're not gonna really. Yeah. You know that makes sense too. Yeah, to protect like the the big guys, the guys higher up that want to get faded, but they don't want to, you know, they they don't want to be uh, risking their their chances. I mean, I don't know. I really wonder what the motive. I wonder what the motivation for passing this bill was. Like, you know, like the real motivation, because there's always something behind it, but. I don't know. It could be trying to get people into the workforce. It could be trying to protect uh, people higher up. I mean, there's a lot of things it could be, but it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, some people could look at it like progress. I guess I, guess I look at it as progress, too. It's like uh, you're letting people get faded, and they don't have to be paranoid about getting caught on a drug test. So it's like, yeah, that'll probably uh, encourage some people to start working. So, I mean, hopefully, hopefully the overall effect of it is positive, you know, for the sake of the community and the sake of... Uh, as long as people are using it 
responsibly. Yeah, exactly. This motherfuckers are using it. And they start acting all crazy. You know, start... There's people that can't handle being high and, you know, they just can't handle it. I mean, oh, for sure. Well, I don't... I mean, I can handle it, but I'd rather not just be fucking high when I'm doing something I need to focus on. So, we gotta use it responsibly and fucking... I mean, that's why they call it off work. You're not supposed to use it during work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on your fucking employer whether if they care or not, but... Uh, just, I don't know, just don't get fired. That's pretty much all I got to say. Yeah, but it says right here, you know, I found something where it says, it says, uh, it says, uh, let me see. The legislator 2024 will protect workers from any employment discrimination if such prejudice is based on the person's use of cannabis off work or a failed drug test. However, this is except for pre-employment drug screening as specified or upon an employer required drug screening test that has found the person to have a non-psychoactive cannabis metabolites in their hair, blood, and urine. Which, I mean, I don't know. Isn't that contradictory in a way? Let me see. Am I reading this the wrong way? How, however, this is except for pre-employment drug test or upon an employment required drug screening. I don't know. Maybe, um... Yeah, I, mean, if, I don't know. That sounds kind of confusing. If you know you're going to apply for a job and you're going to get drug tested, just fuck it. Be mm. safe. You know, just fucking stop for like 30 days. Well, mm. <laughs> you know when you're going to apply for a job. Unless yeah, you get, true. Unless you get laid off unexpectedly, then you get like fucking, you're fucking looking for a job, but I don't know where. But other than that, you know where you're going to apply for a job and where you're going to apply for a job, be sharp, don't do drugs clean you can drink because they don't give a fuck about drinking that much and gets off of the system quicker than fucking weed so yeah well i don't know we'll see where that goes i i mean just reading some things here where they're just pretty much saying like oh well, it's these it says if you're in the building or construction trades it's, it doesn't apply to you if uh if you require a federal background investigation like uh any job that has some clearance in it it doesn't apply to you so it sounds like they're just trying to pretty much let McDonald's workers get high, which is <laughs> which isn't that bad. It's like cool, like let, yeah, let them get high. They deserve that, you know. You're not paying them shit, so you might as well let them not worry about getting drug tested, which is interesting. But yeah, pre- like pre-employment, it says it, it, it the exception is in pre-employment, which is like most jobs, right? That's when it happens. Is like if you're trying to get the job, they're gonna ask you for a drug test right up front, and then but you already like you said, you already know that's gonna happen, so you can prepare for that. And then I guess once you get into the job, then they can't really uh, mess with you. But, yeah, that's that on that. So, yeah, California has um, passed a law allowing people to get high off the clock, and you can't use it against employees unless under circumstances. But we're going to move on a little bit to – we're going to move on to a little bit of a more serious topic here. So, uh, in recent news, there's been a few cases of overdoses occurring in high school campuses. It says here, um, it says, uh, you know, one of these uh, deaths being a 15-year-old uh, female who uh, unfortunately passed away in uh, Hollywood High School campus. And um, there's been a few cases, but um, all this has led to now... Um, 
As it says here, after a string of teen overdoses, LA schools will get OD reversal drug naloxone. Naloxone. Am I saying that right? Naloxone. Says Los Angeles public schools will stock campuses with the overdose reversal drug naloxone in the aftermath of a student's death at Bernstein High School, putting the nation's second largest school system on the leading edge of a strategy increasingly favored by public health experts. Uh, it says this move, which will affect some 1,400 elementary, middle, and high schools as part of the district's newly expanded anti-drug strategy, quickly assembled in response to student overdoses. Officials on two, on Thursday, and this is uh, last week, so maybe last Thursday, um, said nine students had overdosed across the district in recent weeks, including seven linked to the Berenstein campuses in Hollywood High School. The response plans will also include expanded parent outreach and peer counseling. And then uh, it says, uh, gives the case for the 15-year-old who passed away. So rest in peace to her and um, all the other children that passed away. And it said, um, this uh, in this case, it was a pill, which was uh, probably meant to be some sort of a, maybe a Percocet or a Molly or something like that. But it was laced with fentanyl. And fentanyl is one of the uh, leading, uh, or I think believe the, the leading cause in overdoses in America today because of people cutting stuff. And... Um, so it says uh, naloxone is a high effective, is highly effective at reversing opioid overdoses if administered quiz quickly by a nasal spray or injection. Nasal spray or injection. Uh, Los Angeles Unified will be using the nasal version, which is easy to use, uh, is easy to use as any other nasal sprays. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's interesting, right? Uh, because this is a pretty you know, on one hand, you, there's a crisis. There's kids in just a period of a few weeks, uh, an, an extraordinary amount of overdoses, which I mean, of course, is is a big issue. And um, um, it's you know, and then there's a quote by a psychiatrist here that says the extent of the crisis should not be underestimated. And uh, we are now in the worst overdose epidemic in the United States history. The worst overdose uh, epidemic in Los Angeles County history. And a lot of it is attributable to the high potency of the opioid fentanyl that's found its way in, into illicitly manufactured pills and other drugs of abuse. So again, I mean, you know, uh, of course we want to uh, first start with, you know, what we were saying earlier. You know, kids, if you're listening, uh, or even young adults, if you're listening, you know, stay away from the drugs. Stay away from things that you, you know, I'm not gonna, here, I'm gonna be honest with you guys, right, if you're gonna do something, at least make sure you know who you're getting it from, right, or make sure that you know what's in it, you know, and, um, you know, uh, it's important, it's important, what happened? Like, even then, you can't really trust it, because, right. you know, you buy it from your friend, you're gonna, your friend is not gonna want to tell you, like, oh, yeah. you know, your friend probably doesn't know what the fuck is in it because they're not making it right. They probably right. get it from, so they don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's the true. And uh, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, the thing about taking drugs is like you know what you're doing when you're doing it, but uh, you know, everybody has the perception when you're getting high or you're you're looking for some shit. Your perception is like, oh, I'm getting the good shit, or, or I'm getting something. You know, this is my boy, or my boy has a good dealer. Or, you know, my homegirl has a good dealer or whatever the case. And, you know, you built that trust. Uh, but I want to remind you guys that 
that you know you can be getting the same stuff over and over again but then all it takes is that person cutting one time or, or switching who they're getting it from and they're not gonna like like cousin just said they're not gonna tell you oh by the way i i stopped buying from this guy i switched to this guy you know and then and now you don't know that you went from taking whatever pure substance that you were trying to take and now you're, you're putting something in your body that's cut with fentanyl which is um you know, extremely deadly and, and potent and doesn't really take much to um to really uh do damage to your body and uh even kill you. So you know, we wanna encourage people to and uh more specifically in this case young adults, uh young kids in high school, even young middle schoolers, you know, when I was in middle school people were already taking pills, people were already uh getting high, you know, and um uh and again you know our our message here we want to make it clear right uh we we want to advise everybody to just stay away from it right just don't if if you're going through something and and you feel like uh, this is your solution or you know you want to be cool or whatever i promise you that that stuff doesn't make it any cooler and it, and it's not going to help fix your problems because when you get high, you get high, and then you sober up, and your problems are still there. They don't go away, you know? And um, it's better to just deal with things that you have to deal with, as hard as it sounds, you know? Of course, it's easier said than done, but, um, you know, we are in a crisis right now, and, uh, you know, fentanyl is, is everywhere. And, you know, anything uh, that you might be trying to get, could there's a possibility that it might be cut. So it's just you're really taking a chance no matter what you what your drug of choice is. And especially with the younger crowds, I know I know there's people that are older, like a, let's say a situation where a high schooler is dealing to middle schoolers. You know, they're going to exploit the fact that you really don't know what what you're taking. You know, they're just going to they're going to give you really low quality stepped on shit, which is like that's because they're they're just exploiting the fact that you don't know any better, you know, and, and they know that you're trying to look cool. So they're just going to be like, yeah, here, here goes some pills. You know, you're going to impress girls or, or your homies or whatever. And then next thing you know, um, you know, well, something unfortunate might happen. So um, really, uh, it's important. And I like and what I do like that they put in the, the article, which is one of the, the most important things is the awareness. Right. Educating people, making sure that they're aware and um I don't know. I, I mean, you remember, cousin, when we were coming up and they had like the dare program and stuff. Yeah, that didn't, didn't work. <laughs> yeah, it definitely didn't work. And that was uh, I forgot who made it, but but it was like I heard a joke one time where somebody was like, uh, <laughs> they were like, uh, somebody came to our school once, and they they were like, uh, they showed what people look like when they're high. And then the person saw it, and they were like, man, I want to take whatever the fuck he's taking, you know? Yeah, shit was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke, and it was corny. But I think if we do it the right way, if it's executed properly, then it can be effective. But Because uh, uh, I uh-huh. came to about the people that came from their program, I got that shit when I was in elementary school, and I don't even remember. I think it was in fifth grade, mm-hmm. like a little bit of middle school, and in high school, I don't even remember they had that program anymore. Yeah, it went away for a while because they lost funding, the government funding, because of what you said. You know, it was ineffective. Like they were, they were putting money in, but but the statistics were still the same. And even to this day, and I'm pretty sure it got even worse. Uh, if you were the program, how would you design? That's that what I'm. That's what I'm thinking of right now. Yeah. 
I mean, it's tough. It's tough because you, because, I mean, there's 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 a way to think about it, right? You gotta be like, okay, uh, who's gonna talk first of all? Who's gonna be the one that goes into the classes and and gives the message, right? If it's just some whatever clean cut looking person, that's uh that's not from the number one, it has to be somebody from the community. I feel like, or 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 something like that because you need to build trust right because I, I you know how many see me and cousin grew up in the era of assemblies you know we used to we used to you remember how many assemblies we would go to in the auditorium and stuff like you know when you were younger yeah not in high school though we didn't have yeah, yeah not in high school in high school we went to a, a, a cheap high school it was supposedly a charter school but they didn't have enough funding for shit so yeah it was pretty it was uh it was whatever but uh yeah, we grew up with a, a lot of those assemblies, and um, people would come to the school, and then they would, sometimes you would get people, uh, you know, you would even get, like, rappers sometimes, and, and uh, musical performers, and then every once in a while, you would get uh, something like a career day, you know, like, uh, you would have a firefighter, or, a, or, a, or a, a cop, or something like that, and then, you know, things like that, and, um, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, you know what I think will really be the most effective method, and this is kind of corny, but I think it, because you, you know you gotta th- you gotta think about what the problem is, right? Like what what drives people or kids in this example? What drives a kid to take a pill? What drives a kid to uh, to snort something, or um, to get to that point where they they're doing it, right? I mean, as a child, uh huh peer pressure yeah yeah definitely peer pressure that's what i was gonna say too peer pressure for sure but then also parents yeah yeah yeah, parents um parents peer pressure uh a feeling of not belonging uh emotional stress i think every single person they would all have different answers yeah yeah we'll probably find a lot of common Right, right, right. Yeah, like, like, like similar, you know, like, like similar, but not the same. But I think, and again, this is probably going to sound corny, but it's like the community, right? Like, you got to really create, because I mean, you see this in, you know, obviously Hollywood High School is a little bit of a nicer area compared to where we're at, you know, or like uh, my middle school and your middle school. They they're more in the hood, you know. There's more of a, a prevalency for things like that, but I think the community has a lot to do with it, and um, and uh, parents definitely have a lot to do with it. So, so making sure that parents are aware, and that good parenting practices are being like used, you know, instead of um, ignoring your kid, like giving them attention. And then, um, just again, the community, I think, I think if we, if, just hypothetically speaking, if you create a community where, uh, people can trust each other, where they could communicate with each other, and this sounds like a utopia or some shit, right? But it's like, it's possible if you put in the effort and if everybody cares about each other, then you create a community where people can just communicate and be transparent with each other. And then hopefully before they get to the point where they try the drug, they find somebody who hears them out and then uh, kind of helps them deal with the issues that might lead them to eventually taking drugs. 
So, I, I mean, I do think that as, as crazy as and corny and maybe impossible as it sounds right now, like really fixing the community and creating a productive like tribe community where we all look out after each other would probably be the most effective method, right? Because just throwing, I mean, having some person who's out of the community come in and, hey, kids, do you like fun? Do you like Tommy the Lion, Tommy the Tiger, whatever the fucking mascot's name? Like, Tommy the Tiger says, don't do drugs. Like, you know, it's like, bro, no, that's not effective. Like, that's like a cartoon, you know? You're like, you're trying to, you're trying to play these kids for stupid, and then they're going to get offended, and they're going to be like, yeah, fuck you, Tommy the Tiger, I'm going to get faded, you know, or whatever the fuck. And then, um, you know, you have that whole reaction. So it's like, I think people, I think what's been tried before in the past is, is definitely not going to work. So, you know, it's it's not about doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, when people are growing up as mm. teenagers, it's like a phase where you know, they're just being rebels, rebellious to anybody. Yeah, that's true. It's like an authoritative figure. So they just want to be different. They want to do some shit just to piss off people, or whatever, because they think it's fun. So it's probably not going to go away as perfect as we want it to go away, but I don't know. I, I, I think the Narcan stuff is that's where we that's where we're at now because I don't think it'll go back. I mean, all the drugs, you know, they're being more like you can't even tell who's taking what because wax pens you can't really. And it has a smell, but you can fucking hide it really quick. It was easy, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that became a problem too. It was like the little youngsters getting high in the, like you said, the wax pen stuff. Like, you know, like you don't stink, you don't smell, you know, fools could just be, even in class, just like smacking the pen in, in their like backpack or their sweater. So it's like. Remember when they can't even find a fucking person selling the chips and gummy worms? Oh, uh, yeah. Not gonna be funny. Yeah. Yeah, plus I mean the problem with the problem with drugs, right, is that they they make you feel good. Like it literally changes your brain chemistry and you feel good. So like you can't tell somebody who's getting high that it's bad for them because their response is gonna be like, Well, it doesn't feel bad, it feels good. It makes me happy. It makes all my problems go away. So you, in order to stop people from doing that, you need to provide a substitute. So it's like, what would substitute that? And that is a big question. That's a difficult question to answer. And you know, there's the the problem here is, and we're just being honest. But again, kids don't do drugs. We don't want you to do drugs, and we advise that you don't do it and don't get hooked and avoid it at all costs. But you know, it's like, uh. Uh, drugs are effective at what they're used for which is like they're effective for making people numb to the situation that they're in they're effective for uh, allowing people to just uh, enjoy or what they feel like is enjoying their life so it's like i mean you know you gotta if you don't want people to do them you gotta give them something else that's just as good and i mean that's that's hard give, to give them people to go to like like with a career for fuck it, somebody don't tell them not to do drugs, but just give them other avenues to go for. Like, you know, like yeah. when I was in high school, in high school, everybody was using drugs and stuff. But I kind of was like focused on, shit, fuck, I'm going to go to college, whatever. And I know, well, people, when they, when they think of college, they think of partying and stuff like that.
it too, though. But, you know, if you're focused on what you got to do, you're probably just going to be fucking up and stuff. So, like, for the most part, I didn't really do that much in high school. Um, you know, because I had a goal in mind. So, if you give these kids something to strive for, maybe that'll help. But it all comes down to parenting because it was, you know, it was my dad who was, like, motherfucking off the border for the for a reason, right? So, like, he fucking yeah. made sure that nothing, like, all go to fucking school and stuff. So, his ass, if I, if I fuck up, you know, the fucking chocolate comes out, you know, that type of shit. Like, <laughs> it was strict. So, I feel like people like that, you know, as much as, you know, maybe the new generation became soft and we don't want that for them, but. I mean, it yeah, out and, for me. yeah. You brought up a good point too when you were saying the whole rebellious, like rebellion stuff, like because you know, like right now, okay, you're explaining your point of view, and that's my point of view too, right? Like uh, we're grateful that our parents came here and gave us opportunity, but then like every once in a while, you see, uh, you see fools, you meet fools that they're in the same situation. Their parents came here, and you know they they brought gave them an opportunity to be successful in life. And they, they're still mad and they hate their parents, right? And for a person like that, it seems that their attitude is what's uh, holding them back. So maybe uh, programs for helping kids fix their attitude. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but really, like, <laughs> I mean, really, that would just be therapy. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe therapy is the answer, you know, like starting kids young and, and uh, assigning, you know, like. Schools may- that counts, right? Y- yeah, we we had counselors, but it was like unless you had a problem, the the counselor wouldn't talk to you. Which I mean, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, that might even be effective. Like if you just if you you hire right, you hire a few counselors every school, at least in in the affected communities, right? Every school in the affected community hires a few psychiatrists, really good ones. You know, I mean, it's hard to find to determine what good is, but you hire a few good psychiatrists and um, counselors. We, we didn't- we didn't uh, even have a nurse. Yeah, we didn't even have a nurse. The uh, the the principal or like the people in the office were the nurses. Like the the ladies that would be typing stuff were like the nurses too, supposedly. Like they'll just pull out the first aid kit and, and help you out or whatever. It was but, called a health health services academy. <laughs> yeah, health services academy with no with no health services for the students. <laughs> yeah, that shit's crazy. But, I mean, uh, funding has a big part to do with it, too, you know, how much money the school gets and things like that. But I think if if, if they – that might be a, a solution if, if it was a, if it was a applied as, like, um, you put, a, you put a few good psychiatrists and counselors in every school and then you do a weekly appointment schedule with every kid. Like, every kid has to go through it, you know. Like, even if they're just going to go sit down and, and be shy about it, I think if you just do it over and over, eventually they'll open up, you know, they'll build the trust and they might get to the point that they can talk. And I I think, um, again, it sounds maybe corny to people, but I I think that would be effective, honestly, if you just give the kids uh, someone to speak to. And then that way they have that big brother, big sister role model, and then they're able to confide in people instead of having to find, um, you know, and it's not at the fault. I mean, you know, I said that kids, uh, like an example, a high school kid coming into a middle middle school kid, which I've seen happen a lot. But I think it's just like the kid in high school is going through the same shit that the kid in middle school is going through. So they're kind of both on the same maturity level in terms of like brain development. So that that's just the natural process. So I think if we did that, like, oh, introduce a counselor, psychiatrist into every school. And then, um, or if you 
to every school to cover the amount, you know, based on how many students are enrolled and then have a weekly session with every kid. I think that would be effective. And maybe, but who knows, Realist right? Realistically, I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, it's going to um, cost a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure that happens in all the other schools, but yeah, in the area most, that shit probably won't happen. Right. I think the bigger problem is after school. Like, during school, people will, you know, people will still take drugs, but after school is a problem when, you know, their parents are probably working 9 to 5. School's out by 3. They got two hours to fuck around with, right? Yeah, that's so, true. Very true. You know, they're going to go to a park, whatever, and then that's where it happens for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, that's... You're right. I didn't think about that, but yeah, that's... That's the thing, huh? Like, it, it could happen before school, it could happen after school, it could happen in the stalls, in the bathroom. It could really just, it really is a case-by-case -case basis. So, I mean, that's why it would probably be tough to... And then to, some of them show up to school. They just fucking ditch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, but then it comes back in if the parents aren't really enforcing, like, yeah. fuck it, you better school. Because, I mean, some families don't actually really care for school. Um, mm -hmm. They're like just work whatever i mean if you if you don't plan on going to college yeah, in true. high school it doesn't matter high school doesn't matter if you're not going to college yeah, you're going to, you can get your like a ged diploma anywhere else um doesn't really matter so they can fuck around but i mean you know the u.s education wise it's mm -hmm. fucking sucks compared to all the other countries yeah so i mean i would like to like fuck it, everybody go to school but you know it's not it's not for everybody but yeah, true. if they're not working at least and they're just doing drugs and that's not I think that's a problem yeah and I think so. the, the the reason why especially in LA that is such a big problem is because you know we're so crowded like our population is so high that it's tough to like pinpoint like in an issue like this it's hard to be like okay that's the problem because like you said you know it could be a combination of things it could be uh, just one moment one bad moment where the kid is left alone and then they fall under the grips of peer pressure. I mean, it's a lot, man. I mean, we grew up going through it, so we felt that pressure of just, you know, uh, being around people and just the way it feels, you know, in the moment. Even as a child, you feel really alone. So, it, you know, it's it's a crazy issue. But, um, again, before we move on to the next topic, kids, don't do drugs. And, yeah, here at In The Cut, we're definitely going to, as the brand grows, that's something that we want to address and uh, try and help this, the whatever the city, whoever's in charge of fixing this. Uh, what's, we're going to try and do our part and, and offering kids an outlet to um, giving them somewhere that they can, uh, you know, really just hang out, you know, and not and not be under the pressures of whatever's going on around them, you know. Because I, I think people need an escape, and the cheapest escape, unfortunately, is to get high. So that's that's where... That's where a lot of people go by default. So, yeah. Don't do drugs, kids. And remember, there's so much more to life. And uh, enjoy yourself. And I know people hate to hear this shit. But it's like, I if you really want to weigh the odds, um, it's better. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy to say. But it's Just like... Wait till, wait till you're, you're older and you can make better judgments. Because when you're young, you're fucking dumb. Yeah, that's true, too. But then, because you know, you when you're young, you think you know everything. That's the shit. Yeah, that's the thing. But like, once you're old enough to make a rational decision, you can take them. Just do it responsibly. I mean, yeah, it's not really gonna affect me. So I'm not 
I'm not nobody to tell anybody how to live. Do a yeah, that's, that's the shit too. We don't want to judge people because then you know they're really not gonna listen to you if you, if you just come with the judgmental tone. And that's the thing. And what I was gonna say is like I know people hate to when people say like oh smoke weed because it's at least natural. And um you know I mean I can't help but just make that argument because it's like uh if if people if fentanyl is gonna kill people and weed isn't then obviously if you have to make a choice weed is the better choice because it's not gonna kill you it might make you lazy. It might uh, slow you down a little bit, but it's not going to kill you. And we don't want people dying. That's the problem there. You know, we don't want kids overdosing in high school bathrooms. We don't want um, families having to get calls about, uh, you know, their little babies dying, you know, because. So, I mean, it's rough to say, but I just, I don't know. I guess it's it's just the better of two evils, you know, which is. Um, I mean, better than alcohol. Right. You're right, not better than alcohol. <laughs> If you take your munchies, maybe you'll grow some weight, but yeah, yeah. you're not fucking up your liver. You're probably fucking up your lungs with the fucking backwood or something, but other than that, way better than alcohol. Right, so uh, moving on, we uh, touched on the the youngers, the youngins, the, the crowd. So now we're going to move on to um, something that's, that's going on in the news recently. Another... Uh, another big topic is a topic of people going through life crises uh which is based on the articles that have been coming out recently people have been saying that uh, let me pull this article up real quick people have been saying things like um that the new midlife crisis is uh the quarter life crisis which is happening in uh, the people's 20s now So apparently people in their 20s Are at an all time high Going through what they would describe uh, A self described crisis You know usually uh, people go through their life And they kind of um, Just cruise through life And then eventually they uh, Get to the point where They feel like they don't know where they're going And th- this is starting to happen at a, at, an, at a younger age You know speaking in terms of uh, What's going on here Hold on, let me try and find this fucking article. I think social media has a big part in that. No doubt, no doubt. Speak on that a little bit, cousin. What do you What do you think about um? Like you see, like you're on social media, and usually in social media, what people post is like all of their positive moments in their life, right? Like mm-hmm. people that are successful. Like let's say, for example, you're not as successful as your your so whoever you follow on social media. You're going to look at yourself like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? You know, like, there must be something wrong with me. And... But I had a cough. Um, So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're surrounded with, like, all these people that are, like, way better off than you, and then you're going to look at yourself and be like, damn, I ain't shit. Well, you're going to start having a crisis. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah, so... Uh... I finally got the article here, so let me just read off a little bit. It says, uh, meet the midlife crisis, evil younger brother, the quarter-life crisis. It says here, published on September 14, 2022, so 15 days ago. Uh, the societal pressure to have life mapped out like a game of MASH can easily put any 20-year-old into a bit of funk or rather a quarter-life crisis. MASH, uh, for those of you who haven't played the game MASH, I guess it's like 
you determine what kind of car you're gonna have. You know, you it was a game that we used to play back in the days. I don't know if kids still play it, but it would be on paper. You remember that, cousin? You remember Mash? Yeah, I don't remember what it stands for though. Yeah, yeah, me either. But it would be like uh, it was a game where like you would do some stuff. Like either you were playing it with your hand or or on a paper. And then uh, it would like be like, oh, how many kids are you going to have? What kind of car are you going to have? Which is interesting that we were thinking about that as kids. Because now, now that I think about it from like a psychological point of view, that was that's like some pretty young ambition there. But it would say uh, how big your house is going to be. Like, And these are, we were like in middle school playing this. So it's pretty interesting. But uh, the game would be like, oh, um, what car are you going to drive? Lamborghini, BMW, da, da, da. What kind of house are you going to be in? Uh, how many kids are you going to have? What is your wife gonna look like? Like things like that, and then um, so that I guess in a sense, uh, you know, it would predict your future. And then it says um, right here in the article, it says some of the examples, like I said, include how many kids you'll have or what kind of car you own. Through a harmless game played by kids, it becomes all the more real that as you enter your twenties, your more favorable, <laughs> your more favorable predictions start to crumble. That's funny. Um, it says here, psychotherapist Tess Brigham wrote in a June 2022 Forbes article, the concept of the quarter-life crisis is something younger people have been going through to varying degrees for several decades, similar to midlife crisis, according to the Bradley University. A quarter-life crisis is when somewhere in their early to mid-20s is apprehensive about the course of their future. Your early 20s come with distressing expectations like filing your own taxes or saving for your retirement. And it says here, a 2019 survey poll found that 48% of young Americans surveyed had experienced a quarter-life crisis. Growing up, children are always asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And from my experience, that question will haunt you for the rest of your life, or at least until your early 20s. And as even as a college senior, it's hard to have a tangible answer. So, yeah, um, this is interesting, right? Because, uh, you know, as a kid you you definitely start to plan through your life you know you start to wonder what you're going to be when you grow up of course most of the time the answers is rich you know everybody wants to be rich everybody wants to uh be successful you know and there's always the fear that you'll be nobody in life but it seems now and according to the statistic 48 percent of young americans surveyed which uh, depends on the sample size and things like that but 48% uh, have had experienced a quarter-life crisis. And I think if you did the entire country, it might be a, a little lower, but still close to that number. And again, um, you you know, you were talking a little bit about that, cousin, about social media and the expectations of, of what you see versus how you're living. And then, um, I mean, of course, the economy has to play something into this, right? Yeah, I mean, well, inflation's a bitch. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you're not getting paid. Well, inflation is increasing like 8% like every year. Well, now it is. So like if you're not even getting a, a pay bump, that's 8%. Well, now you're losing to the economy. So then like, you know, the fucking housing market. Like if a motherfucker wants to get a house, how much do they need to get? I mean, 3.5% mm-hmm. with an interest loan. You know, maybe not a problem, but then you know, you're going to be paying a lot of interest. And, like... 800000 uh-huh. for a, you know, random house here in LA County. So stuff like that for the millennials, it, it got tougher. I think I just saw something where it's like a lot of them, you know, we're staying with our parents longer and it's just tougher for our generation. Like 
of course, when, like, where I work at, a lot of people that I work with, they're mm-hmm. way older. They're, like, 55, 60s. Like, you know, I noticed that a lot, yeah. And it's like, you know, when you go into a job, you might be, like, they're used to just living their life based off of when they started. Like, oh, it's easy to get a house. Now they're all set off. So, you know, their salary expectations are going to be way lower than the new generation because the new generation is like, mm-hmm. oh, what the fuck? Houses are way more expensive. So they're going to be, you know, looking for a higher salary and stuff. So um, depending on the industry, like salaries have been going up like crazy. That's why you see a lot more unions striking and stuff because, I mean, the economy is just not looking good for anybody. Yeah. Uh, of course, people always want more money. So. But, like, for the young people, um, you know, it's okay to not have life figured out yet. I mean, let's say, what's the quarter life? Let's just say you're 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you still got a good 50 years. Let's yeah. say, you, if you live to your 80, you still got a long ass time to live. Right. And I mean, age is going up. It's like 67 and a half. So, you still got a long way to live. So, I think it's a lot of people that don't know what they're doing and maybe they don't feel like they're on the right path to be successful. Like maybe they feel like they're stuck at a dead end job or something, you know, uh, expenses in LA. I mean, I'm just speaking from LA because the situation is probably the same anywhere else in the U S right. but it's really, I mean, California is really expensive. Everybody says that that's why people are moving out of state because it's cheaper to find a house, cheaper to live. So, like, here in L.A., it might be hitting harder just for that simple fact that it's expensive. And, you know, when you're working, you're pretty much working more than half of your whole life. Yep. You're sleeping for, like, another chunk of your life. So now you're only left with, like, a third or, I mean, whatever the fuck, whatever the math is, just to live by your freedom, right? So, yeah. so people are probably thinking, like, oh... You know what's like at this point. Like I'm just working, waking up, working, coming home, struggling. So this shit can get pretty hectic. So I mean, yeah, I mean, forty percent, forty-eight percent to me. I think it's I pretty think high. It, yeah, I mean it is high. Yeah. Like hope. I w- I wouldn't want people to go through that crisis. Uh, yeah, for sure. Ahead. And um, so and here's just some statistics for people. Um, this is. Produced by the eHealth Project um, Research and Training Center for Pathways and Positive Futures, which is funded by the National Institute of uh, Disability and Rehabilitation, along with SAMHSA, which is the uh, Service Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration of America. So, uh, just a few statistics here. And, uh, you know, just to talk about what you're saying, though, before I get into statistics, you know, I know a lot of people, and this is anecdotal, but still. I know a lot of people that, uh, yeah, just like you described, right? The people, it, it seems like there's two categories right now. It's like either people who are just not working or people who are just working themselves to death. And um, and that's crazy because if you're if you're not working, then you're in, you're in a position of privilege or maybe you're getting some sort of disability. I mean, not disability, maybe disability, but like unemployment payments or, or something like that where you're, you're making a check off the government. And if that's not the case, then you're probably, um, you know, you're probably just t- being taken care of or something like that. But for the people who don't have that opportunity or that privilege, then 
you know, you're pretty much just working to keep up with the economy. And if you're in California, then you're, you're doing a lot of work. And especially if you're working minimum wage, uh, you got to work a lot to just survive. But, yeah, that's that's what I've been. And, you know, I know a couple of close friends that, like, work 12-hour shifts at Amazon warehouses and stuff like that. And they're just working all day and all night and uh, just to get by and, and pay bills and things like that. But it's interesting. But here's the here's a statistic here. It says, uh, again, you guys can look this up. Uh, 93% of young adults ages 18 to 29 go online for uh, a significant portion of their time. And then it says uh, 72% of online 18 to 29-year-olds use social networking, which is the communication, not just going online and looking at things, but also communicating with people online, uh, posting online, sharing posts, things like that. Uh, it says here... Um, in 2008, 72% of young adults, 18 to 29, and I mean, I can only imagine the number gets either stays the same or, or gets slightly higher. Uh, it says 72% uh, of the age group, 18 to 29, looked for health information online. And then it says right here that 68% um, uh, of health information seekers state that the information they find online has an impact on their healthcare decisions. So I mean a lot of that a lot of that you know the crisis word comes from um overwhelming anxiety things like that depression and uh when you're going online and trying to self diagnose and then they're like oh if you feel bad then you're depressed and I mean that can pretty much even be a cause for depression in itself you know and then um from the Bradley Institute it says or Bradley University it says uh, some common stressors that lead to a quarter life crisis are job searching or career planning uh, living alone for the first time in your life, navigating through relationships, and then uh, making long-term professional or, or or personal or professional professional decisions rather. So I mean, you know, it, it's a uh, and it says it's usually in four phases. First, clients feel a sense of being trapped or some commitment in uh, their personal life or professional life. Then there's some kind of separation or loneliness. Uh, whether they're moving to a new city, whether they're leaving a relationship or uh, isolating themselves and then they reflect on where they are in life, perhaps change their plans and then eventually try and explore new activities and social Oh, well, actually says that's the solution. So um, through the process, eventually, hopefully the person changes their plans. And this ties in with, like, something that we've said before on the podcast, which is, like, if you're unhappy with where you're at in life, you really got to move, you know? You really got to make the leap. And um, I think people are afraid to make that leap, you know what I'm saying? And nobody's going to do it for you, so you got to take the initiative. Mm. You know, just act on whether you're depressed at a job, you know, start looking for a new one, or, yeah, I mean, whatever, you just got to, you know? act on it because no, no one's gonna tell you and especially some people that, let's say you work somewhere that you hate your your boss is probably not gonna want you to leave so you're probably gonna take things to oh no you gotta stay it's probably more beneficial to you or oh something. yeah they do that for sure yeah you just gotta go for your own benefit so just i don't know google google your problem see what it says go on right there's a lot of good advice on you know, take with a grain of salt, but yeah. yeah, true. And then, you know, you know, we're talking about the crisis with the youngins and stuff, but uh, a lot of these younger cats, you know, um, the ones that do make it into adulthood, 
uh, they carry a lot of that with them, you know. And I think we're a we're a product of that, you know. And that's why you see a lot of the the midlife crisis stuff going on or quarter life crisis going on right now, because uh, people have gone through that uh, that process of you know getting uh, strong on shit early, getting strong on drugs early, and then um, having to kind of refigure themselves out. Or getting to the point in their life where it's like, dang, I'm, I'm 18 years old now, you know, and, and I don't have any plans to go to college. So what am I going to do with my life? And uh, I'm pretty sure that that has a lot to do with why people are going through those feelings. So, I mean, it's crazy, you know. But again, we just we're just bringing awareness to this. We just want to bring awareness to everybody who's uh, who may be having these similar feelings or going through a similar situation. And uh, we always want to remind you that you're not alone. And. And that, you know, you can always reach out to people and you'd be surprised. Like, trust me, you would be surprised. Like, sometimes uh, it's hard to feel like anybody knows how you feel like. But uh, at the end of the day, we're all humans. So, you know, even though we handle things differently, we process things separately, you know, in our brains. Uh, at the core, we all um, kind of have the same obstacles in life. So, man, always, always reach out to somebody, you know, and for all my people that are going through the quarter life crisis right now you know um reach out uh you guys can always reach out to us for sure always show you love and come join the itc family be a part of us and um you know and not only that but look for people around you you know make friends don't be so don't be so hesitant to make friends with people and um and um you know judge people or you know or alienate yourself from everybody else you know give yourself a chance and give people around you a chance some people find it hard to make friends, though. I mean, it is hard. It is hard, especially if you're um, antisocial or introverted. You know, it's tough. It's tough. But um, I mean, if you can hop on the internet and find, or if you like video games or something like that, you know, make a friend group on the video game. But like I've, we've said before, I mean, try and translate it to real life too, because I mean, at the end of the day, as humans, you know, we're we like to think we're separate from animals because we have big brains and we can think. But it's like we're still animals at the end of the day. You know, we, ha we have those, like, instincts in us. Like, uh, it's a part of our DNA, you know, and we're social by nature. So e even the most antisocial person, even the person who is anxious and who doesn't like to make friends and who's, who feels uncomfortable when they're trying to make friends, you know, that that's usually pattern behavior that stems from, uh, from behavior as a child. So if you come into adulthood with still those um those feelings of uh, anxiety when it comes to socializing with people or if you're still an introvert when you get into your adult ages and i mean uh you know maybe just try and push out your comfort zone you know we had um we had uh megan peters on dr peters on here and she spoke about that like how the brain is uh, a it operates the best in the proximal learning zone which is like not going completely out your comfort zone, but just pushing a little bit. So, you know, you don't you don't have to start by going and being the friendliest person, but just you know, um, maybe every day, you know, if you're if you're very socially awkward, just make it a goal and like say hello to five people a day, for example. Like when you're walking down the street, you know, just uh, you see somebody make eye contact, like hi, how's your day going? You know, just five people a day, and then you, you know, you start to feel comfortable. You know, go to you know eight people a day or something you know and then 10 people a day and then before you know it those those walls that you that existed you know 
uh, start to fall, you know. And, and and if even talking to another person is is too too painful for you, then maybe uh, seek counseling, you know. And uh, at least you you'll know that you have somebody who's trusted and who's trained and and having those types of conversations to where you can feel more comfortable. But I mean, you know, trust me, um, make the leap. Again, how we were talking, make the leap. You know, don't don't get too caught up in your shell because life is just life is expanding and the brain is expanding. So, you know, give yourself a chance to grow. Always give yourself a chance to grow. But yeah, um, so yeah, everybody out there going through that quarter life crisis, you know, stay strong and uh, there's a lot more to life out there. And uh, yeah, and Socrates didn't get famous until he was in. 60 years old or something like that or he didn't start writing his best work till he was 60 so remember that i always use that as a as a reference for myself like if if people you only got, what you only got, famous, you only got famous after he died oh yeah, yeah yeah but but a lot of his works and stuff was, i think that's what i meant is like when he was 60 and he had already lived his life which is like people feel like they got to have life figured out when they're 20 which is like that's crazy you know you, you know you still don't know a lot about life when you're 20 like, you know, we're still learning every day, so. Yeah. Kind of funny. I posted the other day. Uh-huh. It was a meme. It was like, oh, uh, Bill Gates founded Microsoft at 20 or some shit. Fucking Steve Jobs built Apple at 19. You know, like, oh, you're like 25. It's time to give it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's how people feel. That's the because, again, like that. See, the first point that you that you brought up is probably the most significant in today. Like the fact that people are just on social media all day and comparing their life constantly, like, like what this fool's 20, like, you know, I mean, I can't even, I could be honest right now. Like when I look and I see somebody and then it's like, Oh, this 20 year old YouTube or whatever, 20 year old, whatever person is so successful. And I'm like, bro, I'm 25 and this kid is five years younger than me and th- their success is just way more than than my success in terms of you know money and things like that uh so it's like bro that makes me feel bad in the in the moment you know because it's like fuck like like what am i doing wrong but i mean you know it's just not my time and i'm i'm, I'm still trying to figure things out myself so you know you got to use that shit as motivation so but i understand where people come from when they have those feelings but yeah, let's move on to the let's see our last PSA that we're gonna give here. Uh it says, uh, uh, oh yeah, this is the STD topic. I forgot. I'm like, what was the last topic? Oh yeah, it's STDs. Yeah, don't be silly, rapio wheelie. It says, uh, STD rates are surging, and here's why. NPR's uh, Mary Louise. Oh, this is an NPR article. That's why. It says uh, uh, Mary Louise Kelly speaks with David Harvey, executive director of the National Coalition of STD Directors, on how STD rates are soaring in the U.S., especially syphilis, which is up 26%. Uh, it says here uh, these are shocking numbers. Numbers are shooting up uh, on the rise for several reasons. One is really the lack of awareness in America about the scope of the problem. So people don't even know it's going on is one of the major issues. Number two is not testing enough uh, for those that are sexually active. And number three is uh, patients aren't, oh, it's the same thing. Patients aren't asking to be tested and doctors aren't doing enough to uh, encourage testing. And then, uh, yeah, so those are two of the major problems. And then COVID, it says COVID has really complicated things, having uh, increasing social disparities in the country. 
new generations are coming at an age that where they're uh, they're assessing for risks like STIs and STDs is uh, very different. Condom uses following the use of contraception is going down in general, and um, yeah, again, just people not being aware. But um, you know, here at Cut Talk Podcast, we give you guys the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So, uh, you know, definitely uh, get educated on this, guys. You know, uh, cousin, you remember when when we were in school and and you know they would have like the sex ed. Yeah, that shit was funny. <laughs> that shit was funny, bro. They used to, like, this this lady would come in with, like, a banana and a condom. And then they would be like, look, this is this is how you do it. You, you flip it around, and then it, it, it should be rolling inside out. And then you grab the tip, and then you put it down on the banana. <laughs> and, and, you know, all that shit was crazy. But, but at the time, you know, it seemed crazy, but I, I guess it sticks with you. You know, we're talking about it today, so the information sticks with you. And then they had the bus, right, that came, and you can go get tested. Oh, in high school. Yeah, that's crazy. I forgot about that. Yeah, see. Okay, oh, this is this is crazy. Yeah, me and Cousin actually witnessed this firsthand. You want to you wanna explain it, Cousin? You, you brought it up. You want to explain it? That shit was funny, though, because they just call people out in the during the middle of the class, like, oh, you know, it's your turn. And then, you know, everybody's in my turn shit, like, oh, like, oh, she's a hoe, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that, they used to come, I think, once a month, right, on a Friday. So, yeah. Good, because, I mean, people that are young, you know, sometimes they're not thinking and they don't practice safe, you know, safe sex and shit. So, Cause they don't pay attention to the when when they come, uh, give the little lecture for thirty minutes during homework. Mm. Oh, they're not listening, so you know, I think it was helpful. So, but it it was kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, it was hilarious. And then you have fools that were like fake sign up for the bus so that they could like pretend. You know, everybody would be like, "Oh, that fool's fucking." You know, like there was like that little status thing where it's like, oh, this was fucking, you know, he's getting called to the fuck bus where uh, they're going to test him and shit because he's fucking, you know, it's pretty funny. And then um, they would give you condoms and shit like that. So that was cool. But I mean, that is crazy. You know, they really did do that. And I, I don't know why I wasn't thinking about that. But yeah, they did do that in, in our community, in our high school. So I don't know. I guess they did a good job where we were at, right? People were getting tested, and man, chicks were getting birth control and and um, Plan Bs and shit like that. But I mean, it is interesting what they bring up here, right? It says that people are are assessing risk at a different level, you know, because um, I guess people are looking at it like, oh, well, you know, fucking gonorrhea. Well, at least it's not COVID, you know, <laughs> which is crazy. It's a crazy way to look at it, but but I mean, people do look at it that way. And um, just the overall attitude, you know, of like, uh, just going in raw and shit like that. You know, that's become popular nowadays. Like people are like, oh, you wanna, you know, you going in raw. You wanna hit the bitch raw. You know, like whatever the fuck they say in rap music now. So it's like, that's uh, yeah. I mean, that's it's interesting. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up real quick because we do have the younger audience here. With the podcast, so we want to remind you guys to uh, use contraception, not only so you don't get pregnant, but so you don't wake up with uh, 
with your wee wee burning. And um, yeah. Like a lot of these people, especially the young people, that if they're not thinking, uh-huh. you know, and they accidentally fucking get someone pregnant, what are they gonna do? Um, you know, especially some of the girls who are their parents are a big influence and like, oh no, you can't abort the baby because you know maybe For they have, some, have religious beliefs. So now you're going to be raising a kid and you know, you never planned for it. So you don't have the money for it. And now it's your whole life changes just because of five minutes of satisfaction or whatever. Cause you're not thinking straight. So you just gotta fucking use a condom. It's that simple. Um, a lot of people are, what's it? They have an ego. So, you know, they, they get a little weird, but you just gotta, you know, yeah. think of the consequences because you don't want to make a mistake with the wrong person. Yeah, and, you know, uh, that's a good way to end it right there. You know, how, as Cousin said, um, he put it perfectly, you know, don't let five minutes or uh, five seconds. I know there's some two-pump chumps out there. Don't lie. Uh, for for those out there, you know, um, that are, don't let that small momentary uh you know moment of temporary enjoyment uh be the reason why you gotta take pills for the rest of your life or why you gotta pay child support for the rest of your life you know or um things like that you know really think about it and um again you know we're humans and sex is one of the things that really drive us in terms of desire so of course you know it's tough you know especially when you're going out and you're at the bar and you and you meet a chick that's really attractive for uh straight men uh, so, you know, you meet a chick that's really attractive and, you know, you just can't help it, you know, and you're like, you get the opportunity and there's not a condom around and you're like, fuck it, I'm gonna take the risk, you know, but you never know when that might be the one. So just, uh, play it safe, you know, at, at least, um, what did Snoop Dogg say? He said, I got a pocket full of rubbers and my homeboys do too. See, that's what they need. They need to just play that Snoop Dogg line over and over and make that cool again. Like, just carry around a pocket full of rubbers and you'll be good. And then you'll, you'll always be ready. Like they say, stay ready and you don't have to get ready. But, yeah, cousin put it perfectly. Don't let five seconds or five minutes or whatever, however long, uh, be the reason that you have to uh, take medicine for the rest. Yeah, change your whole life, basically. So, yeah, uh, before we get out of here, cousin, you got any last words for the people? Share any wisdom with them? No, I think I already said what I wanted to say. You know, just... Think of the consequences. If you want to do drugs, think of the consequences. If you want to do some other shit, just think of the consequences, whatever it is. Think of the benefits too, whether there are some, and just make smart decisions. You know, if you're young, you're probably going to make some dumb dumb decisions, and, you know, that's what it takes to learn and grow in life. So don't, if you do make a mistake, just learn from it. You know, life is not going to be perfect, and, you know, you're going to be expected to make some dumbass mistakes. So don't feel bad for it. Learn from it and just move on. But, you know, just try not to make those irreversible mistakes and just <laughs> right. just try to be responsible as you can. That's all I got to say. Wise words from Cousin. And on that note, everybody, as you know, on the bottom left, we have the social tag at In The Cut Global. That's on Instagram, Twitter on tiktok on youtube if you're watching this you're probably already already on youtube so you know what's up 
appreciate everybody again for uh, showing all the love with the likes, comments, uh, subscriptions, and everything like that. Please continue to support the channel. Uh, tell somebody to tell somebody, tell a friend, all that good stuff. Tell your uh, mom, pops, uh, sisters, brothers, Diaz, Dios, all those people. You know, let them know that Cut Talk is on the rise and in the Cut Global is here in South Central trying to make some noise. So thank you to everybody. Oh, and before I forget, we're also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify currently. So you guys can check us out on there if you um, just want to listen to a few minutes while you're on the way to work. We'd appreciate that, too. So, yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, as always, uh, continue to... Be safe always, uh, like we said in today's episode. Uh, take care and peace.